0: As I was reading over some things even this morning, I had a thought that was went along these lines: "Why in the world did I develop this series?" Uh-uh. We were talking about God's sovereignty, his control, and what that means. And I thought, "Oh my great." it'd be so much easier to do like a, uh, like a three-part series on how to have a happy life. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be so. <laughs> and and, and I, was, I was a little bit overwhelmed this morning by the task at hand. Uh, and, I, and I realized once again how much I don't know and how, got a small glimpse of how big God is. And so I know we just got done singing songs and praying, but would you mind if I pray for me? Uh, and as a result, pray for you. <laughs> as we go through this, Father, uh, you are too big. You're just too big. There's so much about you. You're too grand, you're too magnificent, you're too profound. We may get a glimpse of one facet of the diamond, but it is immense. And you are unending. This, this specifically, this topic is too big, I, uh, and so I ask, in the name of Jesus, that you would uh, go before my words to accomplish your plans with success, yes. Father. That you would give me the grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain this mystery, and Jesus, that you would accompany these words, your words, with signs and wonders to authenticate it. Pray that you give us clarity, that you'd give us glimpses and understanding and a little bit of insight. And call us into submission. Because we're learning to trust your love. In your name I pray, amen. We, we all want to feel as though we have some semblance of control over our lives, right? Would you agree? Control is a good thing when it's the alternative to playing the victim. Um, I've been, been around for a while now. And one of the things I've noticed is that our culture is trending towards the victim card for everything. And we're triumphing and championing victimization to the extent where individuals have no more responsibility for their own actions. Those who play the victim role well, continually refuse to accept responsibility or exercise power over their own lives. And I want to say this, that it's very good and healthy to approach life with a sense of personal responsibility and power to exert. It creates a sense of strength and control where you don't have to be a victim all the time. Now, we run into a problem with this issue of control when we want to control every aspect of our life that is not under our control, and even more so when we want to control the lives of everyone around us. Right? And so this serious Control Freaks, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. And how we understand, it, it is a huge topic. Uh, and there's no way uh, that I'm qualified uh, to talk with authority about this, because it's so profound. But I do know this: in order to speak with the semblance of clarity, we have to start with definitions. So how's about I define what sovereignty is? Would that be helpful? Sovereignty is God's right and power to do all he decides to do. Real simple definition is God's right and power to do all that God decides to do. Sovereignty is, it means that God is powerful and authoritative to the extent he can override all other powers and authorities. What sovereignty means is that nothing can stop or thwart any purpose or act that God specifically intends to bring about. That's what sovereignty is. Now, if any of you are old school Bobby Brown fans, this is a Bobby Brown song, it's my prerogative. Sovereignty means that God has complete prerogative to do whatever he chooses to do with his creation. And we may kick back and say, God, why this guy? Why that? Then at the end of the day, God could pull the prerogative card and say, you're my creation. It's my prerogative. Do whatever I choose to do. Understand? Proverbs 24, verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all his. God is owner and as owner, can do or allow whatever he chooses to do or allow. He's sovereign. Now, with that definition in mind, sovereignty is simply the, wi- the, the, the power to do, that which one wills to do. Does anybody see a problem with that? Well, let me tell you what the problem is potentially. Unless such power and authority are directed by something good and benevolent, it can will something evil. And so when we talk about the sovereignty of God, it absolutely is very simply the will, power, and authority to do whatever God chooses to will, allow, or do. But in order to understand it biblically, there's another word that I have to define, and it's the word providence. Providence is that God and what God does is benevolent, good, and grace-filled. So one of the keys to understanding the sovereignty of God is this, that God's sovereignty is governed by God's providence. His will, power, and authority to do all that He wills to do, is governed by His provi- providence, His benevolency, His goodness, and His grace. Now, it's going to be like getting a drink of water out of a fire hose this morning. Okay, um, so so just just hang in there with me. All right, the old boy said like this: Hang. hang Hang on like a hair in a biscuit. Just don't let go, just 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 stay with me for a little bit. Uh, and and uh, and because there's a there's a lot we got to go through, get through here. So th- th- this idea of sovereignty and providence causes an issue that every one of you have asked, every one of us have, have, have dealt with this problem. It's a problem from our perspective, because if God has the power and authority to do all which He wills and desires to do or allow. And if God's sovereignty is governed by his providence, his benevolence, and his goodness, and his grace, what about the bad stuff? How is the bad stuff governed by his goodness and benevolence? How, how much of that bad stuff is that God's doing? Have, have you ever asked that question? If you've never asked that question, you've never had anything real bad happen. Does God's sovereignty allow for freedom of choice? Well, be careful, because find for me anywhere in the Bible where freedom of choice is talked about. You cannot. Not biblically. So let me just throw that out there. Show me where freedom of choice is listed in the Bible. You can find examples of people making decisions. That's something different than freedom of choice. But however, does God's sovereignty allow for what we call freedom of choice? Or does God's sovereignty mean that he absolutely controls every little thing? Okay, so let me tell you where a lot of people fall on this. Like I'm this saying, this is a big topic. There are great godly intelligent minds all across the spectrum of this idea of Sovereignty. So wherever you fall, this freedom of choice idea or God controlling every little detail, wherever you fall, you fall in the camp of some great theologians. And I'm not out to change any of your minds at all. I will not tell you where I stand on this. You don't need to know what I think. You need to know what the Bible says. And you can draw your conclusions from that. But let me just tell you, wherever you fall in that spectrum, you stand with some brilliant theologians. For instance, St. Augustine would say this, love God, do whatever you want. Doesn't sound like a lot of control from God, right? Augustine would say, I don't care if you're a firefighter or a teacher or a mechanic, doesn't matter. As long as you love God, it's all you got to worry about. Some would would, would, like A. W. Tozer would believe sovereignty is like a cruise ship. The ultimate destination is set, but in the open water, each of us chooses to do whatever their own free uh, is up to their own free volition. Like I know where I start, I know where I end, but however I get there, that the course is is up to my own free volition. We would call that free will. I understand. So a lot of us fall in those camps, right? Right. However, John Piper, all our actions are determined by God, even to the tying of shoes or brushing of teeth. Like when, 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 I, when I was putting on my shoes this morning, and I got out my brown shoes, for a moment I thought, huh, God cares like he's choosing for me to put on brown shoes this morning. Like, how do you understand his, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's a bit. have you ever been in a room and the sunlight hits the glass just right and all of a sudden you see all these particles floating around? Do you ever see that? Do you know the majority of that are skin cells? That's just gross, but, (laughs) but like all those dust particles and stuff. So Charles Spurgeon, of all people, my goodness, we're talking about some heavyweights. He said, "Every one of the dust particles is keeping its position and moving throughout the air by God's appointment." I going to talk about control. Like we, would, we would. I, I've heard people talk about the idea of God's like detailed control in terms of like this. Like God's got. He's, he's got enough to do than worry about if I brush my hair or shave my head or wear brown shoes or brush my teeth, right? Like, what's God care? There, there's a lot going on. Like, he's got the whole Ukraine thing to get worked out. Like, there's, there's some really important stuff on God's agenda. Why would he care about the dust particles, right? Right? See, But see, that's from our perspective, because biblically, we would understand that God is not taxed by keeping every even nuclear particle in place. To say God has enough to do to worry about puts a limit on God's, do you understand? He's not taxed by even the minutest of details. So wherever you stand in this idea of God's sovereignty and control, you stand amongst some really brilliant minds. What I know is what the Bible says, and that is this. The dice are thrown, but the Lord determines every outcome. Every So what that tells me is that random isn't random to God. Now, let's not confuse sovereignty with foreknowledge. It's just not that the Bible says it's not just that God knows ahead of time, but sovereignty is about control, not just knowledge. And so so let, 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 me, let, me, let me explain this that if God has the power and authority to do whatever it is he chooses to do, we have to understand the ultimate aim, the primary aim of God's agenda. See, here's what I know. God's primary aim is to be glorified for his mercy in saving us. God's primary aim in his activity is him, not us. And so when we come to this issue of sovereignty, we start with us. And we assume that because God is good and loving and in control, what that means is that he works for our benefit, for our lives on earth, and the benefit of those we love. Right, So every time we talk about the sovereignty and this issue of control, we view it primarily through the lens of my benefit. And the primary concern for God, his primary aim, is for God to be glorified for his mercy in his redemptive plan. Matter of fact, Romans 5.19 in the God's Word translation says this, People who are not Jewish praise God for his mercy. God's chief aim and all he does is that he'll be highlighted and praised for his mercy. His primary aim is not us in our, for our comfort and well-being. His primary aim is for his glory, and he'll be praised for his mercy. God accomplishes salvation for us sinners by his grace and his mercy that is undeserved. And he did that through the death of his son so that nations would glorify him for that mercy. You understand? So when we talk about the sovereignty and control of God, we have to start from the starting point, which is not us. It's God revealing to the world how merciful he is in sending his son. So then we're at best secondary. Secondary when it comes to God's providence and his sovereignty. You tracking with me so far? You okay? The pinnacle of God's desire, the pinnacle of God's will, is the saving of people through the death and resurrection of Jesus that provided for the redemption of creation. And God's sovereignty means that that will and that desire will be accomplished, and nothing can thwart it from happening. And over and over and over in the Bible, we see God's sovereignty in positioning people to encounter Him through some miraculous stuff and some really bad stuff. Because the pinnacle of his desire, which he will always accomplish because he has the power and authority to do it in his sovereignty, is that the world see his mercy and saving. Humanity. Now, the Bible says God is love. The Bible tells us that God is good. And because God is love and because God is good, we believe that God's love and goodness have to do with us and our benefit. And so we equate God is good and God is love with our ease, comfort, and favor. Oftentimes. Oftentimes. Good biblically is the fulfillment of God's purpose of redemption and renewal. That's why the cross and the crucifixion is good news. Because it's all about the redemption and renewal of humanity from sin. Even though that cross was not ease, even though that cross was not favorable, even though that cross was not comfortable, it was good. Because for God, what is good is the accomplishment of his primary objective, which is that the world would praise him for his mercy in our saving. I'm going to talk about later in this series. I don't want to deal with it much today, but I want to let you know. that it was God's sovereignty that caused the crucifixion. Now, if that doesn't shock you, you haven't thought about it enough. It was God's sovereign plan. It was God's sovereignty that didn't just allow the crucifixion that created and caused the crucifixion, according to what the Bible says. And it was the Father's sovereign plan to brutalize, through crucifixion, his own son. Let that sink in. It wasn't just the foreknowledge and allowance of what evil men would do. It was by the sovereign authority that God caused and carried out, that the Father caused and carried out the brutalization of his Son on the cross and the crucifixion. So apparently God has sovereignly orchestrated pain when it accomplished the saving of you and me. So when we talk about the sovereignty of God, we have to get out of our minds that we're the starting point. So, everybody take a breath. Whew, relax. You, you, there's one thing we have to remember that has to be at the front end of this whole discussion of sovereignty. Any discussion of sovereignty must begin with submission. Any discussion of sovereignty must begin with submission. Wherever you stand, wherever you come to on that spectrum of absolute, every control of the tiny shoes of brush teeth or set sail, however you get there, you get there. Wherever you stand in uh, on that spectrum, it has to begin with this issue of submission. That whatever that means, I'm going to submit. talking to someone after the first service, and I said, you know, that's really the crux of this whole thing, because Americans don't like to submit, do we? Freaking nation was born out of rebellion, like, and and we've carried that generation after generation, it's like a a merit badge for us, how, how rebellious we can be. Heck, we celebrate celebrate that rebellion once a year by blowing stuff up. We like it so much. But we have to get to the point of surrender to whatever and however God works or allows things to work. See, here's what I know. Without surrender, you will never be at peace. Talking to someone the other day, and and this guy told me, a friend of mine, he said, you know, there's so much freedom in submission. Without surrender, you will never be at peace, and without surrender, you will always be fighting against God. And without surrender, you will never be at peace, and without surrender, you'll always be fighting against God, and without surrender, it makes for pretty ugly people of faith. Do you understand? Now, it's okay and it's biblical to pray for things to change. It's okay and it's biblical to pray for God to intervene. Like we're not playing the victim card, like whatever, I have no control. Like that's not what we're talking about. But all of the prayer for all of the prayer for intervention, all of the work to change what is to a more biblical standard has to be done with submission. So let's just consider some things. Was God sovereign over COVID? Okay. Was God sovereign over Governor Newsom? Was God sovereign over mask mandates? Was God sovereign over vaccines? Was he sovereign over vaccine mandates? Still a little bit less enthusiastic about it. Was God sovereign over shutdowns? Was God sovereign over shutting down schools? If God was sovereign all of those things, why did so many God's people act as if it wasn't him? If God was sovereign over all of it. As rough as those times were, and as much as I didn't like them, you I'm part of this thing. As much as we didn't like them or agree with them, those who didn't accept God's sovereignty over them had a really hard time. And those of us who said, I don't like it, I don't agree with it. I'm going to do whatever I can. But at the end of the day, it's God's sovereignty had a little bit easier time. And those who really struggled with God's sovereignty over those things not only had a really hard time, they also oftentimes became really bitter and really angry and posted some pretty stupid stuff. (laughs) Now, I admit, the hard times, the difficult times, the bad things, it's hard to accept that those are part of God's sovereignty. I believe me, I get it. And I'm not going to try to convince you one way or the other of how what you have to believe about God's sovereignty. That's between you and God. But I just want us to come to terms with what we believe biblically. Not from our emotions, not from our political standpoint not based on our own personal experience. Because all those things, all those things will lie to us. The Bible says the heart is the most deceitful thing and wicked in all it does. You can't even trust your own heart. And, and, and so I just want us to look at, at what the Bible says. And, and then you decide biblically where you stand on this issue of Sovereignty. So what is God sovereign over? The Bible talks about God's sovereignty. What sovereign? you want to know from the Bible? That God is sovereign over seemingly random events. Those things that we view as just, well, that was weird. What? God is sovereign over all those random, seemingly random events. Proverbs 16, I shared it already. The dice are thrown, but the Lord determines every outcome. So here's what that means. The next time you go to Chick Chance so or Vegas, if you lose, that was God's sovereign plan for you to lose. It also means if you win, that was God's sovereign plan for you to win, so you better tithe it. In, in, in my, when, when I started looking at this stuff, I thought, oh my gosh, well, like, what are the implications? For me, you know what this means? If God controls every dice that's thrown, I have to accept God's control of every yellow flag thrown on Friday nights. As a Raider fan, God's sovereign over the Tuck rule, I got a problem with that. If you're not a Raider fan, you don't understand, but my, my raider brother understands. God is uh, like over seemingly random events. They're not random to God. God is sovereign over seemingly random events. And God is sovereign over nature. The Bible says, Psalm 135, the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth in the seas and all their depths. God is sovereign over nature. In a very real way, when Jesus was on the earth, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him when he calmed the storm and shushed the seas and the winds. See, so what we call acts of God are actually acts of God. Our problem is that we only call bad stuff acts of God. You know what a sunny day is? It's an act of God. You know what clear skies are in the Central Valley? It's a miracle. (laughs) It's an act of God. Do you know what a beautiful sunset is? It's an act of God. Do you know what a beautiful clear night sky is? you better get it by now, it's an act of God. Do you know what the freshness of a spring rain and the newly fallen snow, those are acts of God. And it would seem to me that Christ followers who believe in a sovereign God who is sovereign over nature in California, Christ followers ought to be praying about this severe drought that we've been in year after year. That if God is sovereign over nature, then his people should be imploring that sovereign God in his sovereignty, who is sovereign over nature, to bring rain to our valley and snow to our mountains. I've been praying that for years, and apparently God isn't listening a whole bunch to my prayer, so why don't you join me in that? To a sovereign God who is sovereign over nature. He can do whatever he pleases in the heavens and the earth. God is sovereign over seemingly randomness. God is sovereign over nature. And guess what? God is sovereign over animals. Matthew two, uh, 10, are not two sparrows sold for epitomies? They're worthless, is basically what he's saying. Yet not one of those little worthless little sparrows will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. He's sovereign. So I established a fact last week that yes, our dogs will be in heaven. That is, that's a, absolutely, why not, right? And yes, this means that God cares about your cats as well, which is hard for me to understand, but God does. This is why God could shut the mouths of the lions for his man, Daniel. This is why God could make a fish to swallow Jonah and deposit him on the shores of Nineveh. This is why God could cause a donkey to speak to Balaam. This is why God can make ravens to care for Elijah, cuz we see those as miracles, God sees them as simply signs of his sovereignty. He's sovereign over all. And God is sovereign over nations. You ready? The Bible says, he changes times and seasons, he deposes kings, and he raises up others. You ready? The Bible says, the most high is what? Sovereign. Over what? Over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. During World War II, a man came to power named Adolf Hitler. And I don't need to recount the atrocities, the demonic influence of that man. And what he did to God's people. And during his reign, there were multiple assassination attempts to kill Hitler. There was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's one of my He's one of my theological heroes. And he was alive in Germany during this time, and he fled. And then he went back to Germany, feeling as though he was called to not be a coward and run away. He was a pacifist. He was a pastor, and he was a theologian. And he was part of one of the groups that tried to assassinate Hitler. Hitler. He obviously wasn't successful. He was arrested for other crimes and he was executed under the Nazi regime. Before his execution, he said he was wrong to be a part of the assassination attempt against Hitler, that God had set Hitler up, and Bonhoeffer said he had to submit to God's sovereignty. It's crazy to think that God's sovereignty extends that far and allows that much, isn't it? Does it put in perspective for you, Trump? Or Biden? Or Newsom? Sets over them the lowliest of people. See, rather than... than, than submitting to this issue of God's sovereignty. We want to do something to push back and to gain some control, don't we? We, we all want control. And, and, and so we do little things to exert some type of control over our life, our present, and our future. Even if they're little things, like little superstitions, like little things that we think this is the way I always do stuff. I don't know, like, it's gonna go wrong and. We, we try to put things in our lives to position ourselves so that good luck. Have any of you ever had a good luck charm? Yeah. Yeah. It's just something I, I don't know, I just feel better when I got it in my pocket. You know? Have you had a little superstitious way you do things? Like you do something a little bit differently, just feels out of whack. Like it's just not going to... Like a baseball team, a baseball player, you win a game. You're gonna wear the same pair of socks without water, Like you don't want to get, the, you don't want the mojo. You don't want to wash the mojo off. It's just what guys do. Like football, you're wearing gloves. You wash them after the game, but you don't wash them until the next game. You never wash your gloves midweek. You wash off all the good that you did during the week. You know it's just all these little things. Like fishermen, you got a lucky hat. Got a lucky lure, like, this is, I, this, is my, this is my routine, this is just what I do. Any of you? None of you are like this? Give me a freaking break, man, to you know, like, like, live a little bit. <laughs> we all know, like, some numbers are considered bad luck, right? And it's not just 13, like, you have some stuff, like, you're like, oh, I don't know. Did you ever get nervous when you look out the window and see a black cat? No? See, you're a lot better than I am. Y'all should be preaching. Because the other day, I opened up my blinds at my front uh, house, and there's a black cat sitting like looking at me like, <laughs> like, that's not ominous to any of you. None of you. Like, I was like, hey, yeah. And so I turned around real quick because it can't walk in front of you, right? So I'm like, oh, it's behind me. somebody not deal. <laughs> like, there, there's none of that in you, people. You know, you don't walk under a ladder, right? It's bad luck, right? In our garage, we got this little pull-down thing. A ladder comes down, and every time that's down, I got to walk into my house. I'm like, okay, which one is under and which one is in front of? Like, that stuff never goes through your head. Like, all that stuff goes through my head. I'm like, I don't know. I just like I have my way. I got the way I turn off my lights. I don't. Maybe it's maybe there's something deeper going on in me that hasn't been (laughs) diagnosed yet, but. But it's like we create all these, little, all these little issues of control, thinking that if we do things a certain way, that we have control and, and the position, the Bible talks about all this stuff. Isaiah 65.11. I don't know if you've ever read that part of the Bible. Isaiah 65.11. Look at what this Bible says. It's crazy. But as for you, you but as for you, you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain, who spread a table for fortune and filled bowls of mixed wine for destiny. Now, now, do you notice anything significant about that verse? Put your thinking caps on. What do you notice? Don't just let God's word, like, fly over your head without noticing it. Do you see those two words that are capitalized, fortune and destiny? Do you know why they're capitalized? Because those are proper names. And what the verse is telling, fortune was the deity that gave good luck. And destiny was the proper name of a Syrian god. They were were deities, they were charms of prosperity, luck, and fortune. And what Isaiah 65 is saying, that we forsake God when we give our attention to things that we think will bring us good luck, fortune, and have a positive effect on our destiny. Because what we do is we forsake sovereignty. Do you see what I'm saying? And so in this this approach to our future, we really have two options a superstitious belief in fortune and luck and destiny, or to trust God's sovereignty that's governed by his providence? You'd come up here. I've got to be done. So this topic of sovereignty, this topic of sovereignty is complex. I think you're understanding that. But it's also extraordinarily simple when it's surrendered to. And it's important for how we approach life and our future. Now in this series, we're going to look at, uh, from from this point out, we're going to look at, 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 at instances in the Bible where God either orchestrated or allowed things because of his sovereign providence. And some of those things that God orchestrates and allowed were very, very, very difficult. And some of them are fantastic. But the key to all of those going through those times, because we'll have the exact same things in our lives, is to trust God and submit. See, our biggest problem with this concept of sovereignty is we don't like anyone having authority over us, right? Right? You know why so many relationships have failed? Because of an issue of submission? You don't like it? See, we like autonomy. And sovereignty means God has authority over. And friends, this is exactly where Jesus got to in the garden. Father, what your sovereignty has orchestrated, I don't like. So please choose a different sovereign plan. But because I trust your love, I'll submit to your sovereignty. Do you see that? So, though God's sovereignty led Jesus to the cross, it also resulted in resurrection. And this is a promise for the Christ follower. Submitting to God's sovereignty might lead to pain and difficulty. But for the Christ father always results in a resurrection. So that people will praise God for his mercy. That's the whole point. So I'm going to give an easy way to keep this on the forefront of your minds in the weeks to come. You ready? Here it is. Here's what to keep telling yourself. When I submit in the moment, God will be faithful in the future. Wherever you stand on this submission spectrum, wherever you stand in this thing, whatever that is, and whatever the difficulty is, wherever the issue is, whatever the event is, when you submit in the moment, God promises to be faithful in the future. And so, in this series, here's the commitment. I will commit to submit to God's sovereignty. I'm going to commit to submit to his sovereignty. And I was thinking, why in the world? I thought, I'm going to ask the church to make the commitment to submit to God's sovereignty. And then I thought, Carl, what? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just keep being control freaks? Trying to control everything about their life and everything about everybody else's life around them. Well, what would be the... Motivation to choose to submit to God's sovereignty. And this is what I thought. I thought, you know what? When you trust His love, it awakens in you trust and the willingness to submit when you trust His love. Do you understand? You ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the depth of you and your word. Thank you that it's not easy or simple, but that it is trustworthy and true. Father, my prayer for us and those who hear my voice is that we would bring ourselves to you, and submit to your sovereignty, not out of fatalism, but because we're understanding your love. And because of your love, we trust you. We stand in your love. And because we stand in your love, we can trust your hand. And because we can trust your hand, we submit to your sovereignty. Father, I pray over us that we would do everything we can do within our power to take responsibility for our lives, to act with with intention and purpose and power over that which you've given us control. But at the end of the day, I pray over us also that we would gladly and willingly, with joy, submit to your sovereignty and find great peace and your goodness in that. May you be glorified for your mercy. In your name I pray, amen.